Welcome to Catch Outdoors. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis. This podcast is about living and playing in the great outdoors, especially down in the most southern region of the continental U.S., the Florida Keys. Catch Outdoors is hosted by Spotify and also brought to you by your favorite podcast network. So kick back and get a taste of my Florida. This week's episode of Catch Outdoors is number 122, titled Keys Cold Snap. This is take two. <laughs> I was halfway through the first one when it bombed on me. I don't know what happened. So now I get to do it again and correct any stupid things I said. So no promises there. For those of you that have listened. <laughs> yes, indeed. Winter finally showed up down this way in the Florida Keys. We really haven't had much cold. No, we haven't had much of a blow. Let's put it that way. But this morning, Sunday... It got down to 52 and 53, officially in a couple different spots. Uh, however, the temp at the house was 58, uh, but still chilly for us. Yes, I watched the weather up north all week, especially since I followed the Miami Dolphins uh, football game in Kansas City. Yikes, that was bad. And as they say, there's always next year, but I've been saying that a lot as a Dolphin fan. Starting to feel sorry for the Dallas fans. They do that too, so... I guess we're kind of brothers in arms now so anyway there is always next year we'll see what happens the Dolphins had a I mean great team great numbers good quarterback just you know everything was going just fine and then they got all injured at the end and that kind of uh I guess it just took the air out of them you know just yeah beat the stuffing out of them is what happened so that's just the way it is so let's see. First of all, I'm going to give you uh, what we hope to see this upcoming week. My odds of getting on the water again are a tad slim, but I may push it this time around. We we still have a way till springtime. I do have a fishing report this morning, and I'll get to that in just a minute. Um, weather report and outlook for the upcoming week here in the Keys, along with tide moon information. Most notable for the week ahead is a lack of rain for a change. Hallelujah. They're calling for a run of sunny days, warm days, but the wind uh, will still be up quite a bit. 15, gust to 20. That's never really good. So anyway, that's the way it is. Um, but, the run of sun, but the run of sunny days, that was nice to see. They're calling for sun every day now, starting uh, tomorrow, Monday, all the way through uh, Saturday. So um, it, it's been the weirdest winter because normally wintertime, it does not rain. It, it, we call it dry season for a reason. It's dry. Once you get past hurricane season on November 30th, as you roll into December, things just get really good. You know, sun and uh, very little cloud cover and, you know, but not this year. This winter season has been atrocious. It's rained a lot. We are way ahead of our normal rainfall already. And we're only in the middle of January. Well, yeah, middle. It is middle. Um, so, you know, it's just been really kind of wicked that it hasn't worked out as well as we hoped it would. So hopefully um, it'll stay that way for a while. So here is the outlook. Um, this is from the National Weather Service out of the Homestead office. Starting Tuesday, a high of 71 and breezy. Wednesday, 78 and sunny. Thursday, sunny and 79. Friday, sunny and 78. And Saturday, 
sunny and 77. There is a 10% chance of sprinkles mixed into that. You got to love the fact they say sunny, but then it might rain a little bit. That's because we get weird stuff off the ocean sometimes. Little little burst of uh, moisture basically come through, and that's pretty typical here in the Keys. But it finally looks like things are going to dry out a lot. Breeze is mentioned throughout the week. Uh, but it may slow a bit after Wednesday, I'm hoping. I'm kind of eyeballing late Wednesday or Thursday. We'll just have to see how it goes. Janelle and I have got some um, adventures to go to on Friday and Saturday, so I don't really prefer not to do Thursday. I like to be able to take a go fishing and then take a day off to kind of rest because um, it's. I, I admit it, it's tough on me. I don't fish very long. I usually do mornings, maybe four hours or so, but... Uh, It'll beat me up if I go out too much and then go off and try to uh, do events and things that doing it, that Janelle and I like to do. So um, anyway, anyway, lots of sun. That's the important part. Tides and moon. Uh, for next week, the tides will be low in the morning, running to high in the afternoon. That's the whole week. Um, and it's going to hold true uh, for early uh, the following week, I think, before they start to reverse and do the opposite. So low tides in the morning and and water coming in all morning long. Uh, moon's about as good as it's going to get. Uh, full is on the 25th, which is this coming Thursday. That means on either side of the full moon, the fishing should be fantastic. Fantastical. Um, 22 through the 28th, just to kind of give you a ballpark, that's three days on either side, which is what I usually talk about. However, we got the, the, we're getting closer and closer to the vernal equinox in March. And as we do, um, and as the Earth tilts, basically the Earth is in an easy chair right now. It's tilted back away from the sun. The sun's down in our southern hemisphere right now. As the Earth starts to tilt up or the old man sits up straight in the chair, we get closer to the sun. There's more pull from the sun. So you wind up with a combination of good moon, good sun's going to give you good fishing. And that's what happens. The equinox is on March 21st. But as I like to tell people, where we live, things happen a whole lot earlier now. So as things get better in January, February will get even better. We don't, we don't extend our cold here. Um, so these cold fronts we get, the big bruisers from up north, you know, they come down out of Canada like this monster last week. Um, by the time it gets here, it's already started to fizzle. And as we get into February, they fizzle even more to where they probably won't make it here again. They'll just kind of stall. Usually in a line between us and Miami, they just they just quit. It's really it's really weird, you know. Fifty miles, give or take. So, like February here is pretty nice. Unlike Tampa, <laughs> Tampa will be not so nice. You know, they'll still still have cold. I I grew up in Clearwater, so I know what I'm talking about. It's you know we had winter there. Christmas time would come, you get a bicycle, you go, I'm not going out there and ride that bike, it's cold. Um, I know, I know, I know, it's not as cold as up north cold, but it's still cold. Um, so anyway, weather looks better, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed, except for the breeze. Yeah, it's a pretty strong breeze for the week, but hopefully it'll do a little dying down so I can get back out there. Uh, tourists and snowbird numbers are increasing rapidly. If you're planning a trip down this way this winter, then you had better get booked. Uh, same goes for charters, uh, manatee trips, dolphin trips, snorkeling on the reefs. All this it is just unreal how fast people started to pour into the Keys. And I know why, because it got freezing, freezing, freezing cold up north. And they're like, okay, I've had enough. Let's go south. And uh, so they're here. 
As an example, we went to the fish house for dinner. Uh, was it last night? What's today? Today's no, it was uh, Friday night um, here in Key Largo, and it six seemed early to me. Uh, and but we had to wait, and then we did. We got lucky, got a, a bar seat, which is great for us because we we love Shayla, our bartender in, at the at the fish house. She's terrific, and it's nice to you know just sit there and say hi and all that kind of stuff. Because we don't go to dinner much this time of year. Um, Fresh grilled swordfish. Ooh, Janelle had yellowtail snapper, the matacumbe style. Delicious dinner. Nice to go out. You know, we, we pretty much become homebodies during uh, the wintertime just to avoid all the traffic and people. But it just it just caught up with us. Um, anyway, we came out after dinner, and there were, they were probably left of 7.15, 7.30, somewhere near the time we got finished with dinner, probably 7.30. You should have seen the people waiting out front. Oh, my Lord. It was crazy. 40, 50 people, easy, sitting around on the tables outside waiting to get a table. By the way, the place is really good. <laughs> it has a lot to do with it. Uh, let's do a fishing report. I have one. Oh, my God, it's a good one. Um, can you say tarpon? Yes, yes, that's what happens. So a window opened this past Tuesday just before that front arrived on Wednesday. And the ride to the backcountry was a little bumpy, but it was nice once I got there because that place is so well protected in mangrove and mangrove forest and mangrove creeks. These places I like to fish up in that area are like, they're so far out of the way that I never saw another boat the entire time I was up. The four hours that I fished up there, I never saw another boat. Uh, I didn't get any snooker reds. Uh, I did manage a few kudas. I got one nice mangrove snapper. I had one jack whack the hell out of my lure. I got to see it. And then he took off and popped it. But I got six tarpon, six junior tarpon, I call them. Uh, resident tarpon is what I think they're officially referred to as. These are the ones that hang around all year, don't go anywhere, don't migrate. They grow up here. Um, four of them got, got landed. Two of them uh, lost on their jumps. Size range from about 28 to 30 inches for the biggest one, down to about 20 for the smaller ones. Um, I was bringing in one of the smaller ones, and I watched a rather large tarpon. I would say every bit of four, maybe to five feet long, trailing the little sucker. I guess trying to take away what he had. And I thought, oh, look at that. So, of course, after I landed the little sucker, I had to cast over and over again. And you know that, that big guy already has seen me, and he's going, I, I'm not that dumb. That's how I got big. Uh, but it was interesting to see him there because I really thought I was in like a nest. Uh, one of the interesting things about fishing those little guys is that if you give them a rest, they come back. Um, I caught three, and the bite slowed. So I pulled away and sat out on the edge of my little area that I like to fish and just put the power pole down and relaxed. Just sat back, enjoyed the fact the sun was out and it was about almost 80 degrees that morning. And I, you know, was visual. I'm doing the thing like there's rain bait everywhere. I'm hearing white bait popping on the surface. You know, there's a lot of birds around. It was really great. And then I pulled up stakes and went over back over to the same area about 30 minutes later and caught three more. So I'll tell you a little secret about those small tarpon. They get agitated when other ones are being caught, and they tend to move. So if you get a few and the bite stops, move away and give them a rest. Just relax. Just I know it's hard to do. <laughs> Fishing guys are going, do what? <laughs> Something you can't do as a guide, I can tell you that. 
Um, but as an individual recreational fisherman, just pull away and relax for a little bit. And those little dudes, those little tarpon will come right back in there again. That's, that's what's neat. They were tight to the bushes. Uh, casting had to be really precise. Uh, and one time it was very much, uh, you know, combat fishing. The, the guy was jumping all around trying to get in the roots. That was crazy. But I got him. Uh, so anyway, a lot of fun. Um, I used, let's see, gulp, uh, swimming mullet uh, in that new pink shine color that I told you about a week or two last week, I think, or maybe the week before. Uh, works great. Hard to find in the stores. You have to order it online. Hardly anybody carries a dag on. They don't carry it in any store around here. Uh, which is unusual. We have every tackle shop you can imagine, but I couldn't find them here, so I had to order them online. Um, and then I put them on the Z-Man jig heads with the golden eyes. Uh, worked really, really well. 30-pound uh, test leader. Um, I was using 20, and I got popped off a couple times by the Kudas, and I decided, you know, the snook still hit it, and the tarpon still hit it, so I'm going with 30. I'm just going to stick with it for right now. They didn't seem to care. Uh, didn't seem to make them run away from, from a lure, so... Um, yeah, those dang kudas, man. I'm, I hate losing. My jigs are not cheap. Those Z-Man jigs are expensive. They're not your usually jig head where you, you know, you're talking a buck and a half a piece or something. These things are, oh my gosh, what? There's three in a package at $6. Yeah, so they're a couple bucks a piece. <sighs> That's unsustainable. <laughs> anyway, um, I did try, you know, other items and things. I like to throw different lures and stuff around to see what'll happen, but... Those, that daggone combo that I've got with that particular jig head, that particular soft plastic, and that particular color just works so well. Um, I'm just very, very leery of switching, to tell you the truth. Um, the only regret I had was I did not take my fly rod with me. It was breezy, and I thought, you know, probably not going to get to use this, so I'll just leave it here in the garage. And boy, oh boy, I was sitting in an area where it was not very breezy. I could have easily used a fly on these things, and I know how much these little tarpon love flies, so I was kicking myself for not not bringing it. And uh, so I have uh, made another New Year's resolution that I will always have the fly rod on the boat, period, no matter what the weather is, no matter where I'm going. So there you go. That'll fix that problem. Um, and of course, then I won't, no, never mind. <laughs> Uh, book time. Uh, last week I mentioned that I had decided to switch back to the Wayne Stinnett books, which I did, uh, which are the, the Jesse McDermott, uh, uh, series, the fallen series, as they call them. This one's fallen mangrove. Um, I started it and then I stopped. And the reason I stopped is I have got to focus more on my book. Um, it's just getting to the point now where I need to get it to the publisher and I need to get the final touches on it. And it's just, this book is a whole lot bigger than my first book. L much more to be said. It's written differently for that. Matter. Well, not all of it. There's still some of the same things. The, the science section's in there and a lot of that stuff is still there. Just changed for the Florida Keys. Um, but uh, I got to I gotta focus more on it. Um, I got to give up the recreational reading for a few weeks and just and just concentrate on the book. Um, I got to get that manuscript done. I, I'm doing reread again, and uh, I keep finding little things that I need to fix. And uh, I guess it's just like you know, it's just your baby. You know, you just you you've been I've been nursing this thing for what a year and a half now, and you just you got to do it. Um, also, I'm working on photo and photo placement, uh, trying to get all that right. All, all new photos, you know, try not to use what I've used before, try to, except for some charts and some knot tying stuff, but most of it's going to be different. 
Um, this book is also a different animal. The first book was very professional and authoritative. Is that a good word? Yeah. Um, it was about what I knew about fishing Southwest Florida from being a guide for years. Um, it's like falling off a log. I mean, it's riding a bicycle, whatever you want. To, once you get it down, you just get it down. And that's what I was putting on paper for people. And that's what that book is about. This one's different. There's a lot of what I know here, just like the first book, especially in the Alta Mirada area and the backcountry areas like that. But this is a learning curve for me up here in Key Largo. And I wanted to make it clear in this book and for the novice angler or the visitor angler, the person that comes down here for vacation for two weeks or something, I wanted to give them something to you know, sink their teeth into. Like this is this is what I've learned. This is what I've learned while I've been here for a year and a half fishing pretty hard out of Key Largo. And also what I know about fishing on Amrata and further south. So it's a blend. And um, it's hard. It's hard to, to really get it into the right words. I want to make sure that people understand how to fish here. I also want to make sure they understand how complicated it is and how hard it is. It's not, you know, it's a series of observations, but it's also time on water and a lot of other things. But I want to pass that along. And that's what's made this book difficult. It's going to be good, I think, when I get it all put together. But um I need to concentrate, so I'm going to give up my recreational reading for uh, however long it takes. could be two or three weeks before I get this all put together. Let's see, a little more news before we get on to the main subject. Um, Don't forget, useless information happens at the end of the podcast. Stand by for that. I've gotten some nice notes. Thank you all very much. I'm glad you're enjoying that. I'm glad I was able to do it, to throw it back out there, to revive it. Let's put it that way. Uh, Janelle and I are going to go see Mac McAnally down in Key West at the end of the week. I'm very much looking forward to this concert. He's a very special songwriter performer. Uh, we were very lucky to see him at a party in Stock Island um, last year. And, um, you know, that was before Jimmy Buffett passed away. Uh, he and Mac were close and have collaborated on many, many familiar songs that JB sang over the years. So I'm really looking forward to this. And then also on Saturday, we're headed to Isla Mirada for the Saltwater Sportsman Seminar uh, put on by George Poveromo. Um, honestly, you can never, ever learn enough about fishing here in the Keys. And the best thing about these seminars is the guests that he brings in to talk about the different types of fishing and the tricks of the trade. I was lucky and flattered to be selected to be a part of his seminars in Fort Myers. I think I did it two years. Might have been three. I really can't remember. Um... And also the fact that he wrote the forward for my first book. That's very flattering. Thank you, George. Um, I can't wait to see him again and the crew again and, and talk to the folks. Um, so that'll be really, that'll be fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. Key's Cold Snap. That's the podcast title this week. Dun, 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 dun. I'm going to just chat about how people handle colder weather down here in the Keys and how much different it is than what I've experienced up in the northern climates uh, like New Jersey, Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, and the nasty wet winters of San Francisco. Yes, I've lived in all those places, short times, but still long enough to know I didn't want to stay there. <laughs> so, yeah, well... So let me start from the beginning. I was born in Williamsburg, Virginia, and I moved from there to Florida when I was five. We moved to Clearwater, which is uh, near Tampa. It's on the west coast of Florida. Beautiful beaches. Clearwater has probably some of the most beautiful white sand beaches you'll see. 
uh, other than maybe up in Panama City or up in the Panhandle. Um, it was a great place to grow up as a kid. I learned to sail, to boat, to fish. A lot of stuff happened in Clearwater. And then uh, Virginia, where I was born, became the visiting place. That's where I went up to visit grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff. We would run back to Virginia every summer and do that. I didn't fish a lot up there. I fished with my grandfather a few times um, in the Rappahannock River. And uh, we caught flounder. That's where we caught flounder, which I was just fascinated with. Big flounder. Really, really neat. Um, what do they call them? Doormats. Yeah, doormats. Um, <clears throat> but in Florida, I basically became a, a, a beach boy. You know, it was, it was all about the beach and, and boating and fishing on the beach and staying on the beach and getting really brown with really light blonde hair. Which is, <laughs> you know, it was, I look at my old pictures as a kid and I'm like, good grief. Um, <laughs> Uh, whereas Virginia became kind of the getaway place. Uh, and it's where I first saw snow, you know, real snow for the first time. You know, I don't remember, you know, from five years prior, being a five-year-old, I don't remember much about snow in Virginia, but got to see it as a teenager, and that was kind of cool. We moved away to Kentucky from Florida uh, when I was 16. Difficult, lose friends and the like, but most of all, I'd, I'd never lived where there was really winter true winter sucky winter <laughs> yuck <laughs> yeah it's cold there and kentucky uh, louisville where i was has a, a bad reputation for not snowing a lot basically it's you're in a bowl it's in the bottom of the ohio valley the snow tends to miss you um however it just gets cold sometimes icy wet gray i can't begin to tell you how awful it is i joined the uh, Coast Guard out of high school that got me out of Kentucky for a while, but that was kind of like the frying pan into the fire. I went to boot camp in Alameda, California, and dummy me enlisted in February. For those of you that are familiar with California, you do not go to uh, the San Francisco area of California in the winter. <laughs> it was kind of like uh, kind of like Louisville, but warmer. <laughs> it just rained all the time, and it was that nasty kind of cold rain. Um, Temperature would be in the 50s, you know, maybe 60 degrees. And, of course, boot camp is outside all the time. Calisthenics working out, jumping up and down, running with rifles, doing all that crazy stuff that you do in boot camp. So that was pretty bad. It rained all the time. It really did. Stayed there for a year and got transferred to Cape May, New Jersey. Now, if I thought Louisville was cold, no. Cape May was cold. Cape May had snow. Um... And what was really weird about it, when it comes to like being a Floridian and being in a tourist area like I am now, up there, I arrived, uh, as I remember, it was late August, early September. In September, they closed everything down. Once you got past Labor Day, it was over. Uh, they, ra- they rolled the carpet up. They rolled the boardwalk up. <laughs> it was. They closed the pizza shop. They closed the movie theater. It's. I was like, oh my god! Everybody just left, and the only people there were those of us in the Coast Guard. That's at least that's well, yeah, that's what it seemed like because the southern end of Cape May, that's where the Coast Guard base was. And if you really wanted to do anything, you had to move out of there and go up to like Atlantic City or someplace. So, anyway. By the way, Cape May is a lovely little town, or at least it was. Remember, you got to remember now, this is a long time ago. This is like uh, 50 years ago. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm old. 
Uh, but it was it was a really, I mean, just a pretty little place. I'll give it that. Um, but not much to do in the wintertime. <laughs> From there, I got uh, transferred to Virginia, to Yorktown. Uh, to be specific, it's on the, on the York River. Um, this was kind of like going home for me in a weird way. I mean, Williamsburg is right down the road from Yorktown. You have Yorktown, Jamestown, and those areas on the, all in the south, the Tidewater, the, the south uh, eastern uh, point of Virginia. So I had family around and stuff like that. That was nice. I mean, it was good there. Um, I also love living on the river. Uh, it was nice having a boat access and nice working in the Coast Guard. We had access to sailboats and all kinds of stuff that we could use on the water. Um, it was a big training facility, and that was kind of fun. So I can't, I really can't complain. But still had winter. At the end of my enlistment, went back to Kentucky with my ex-wife, my then wife, who's now my ex-wife, um, and stuck it out, baby. I did all, I did all kinds of uh, jobs, uh, you know, hi-fi video and just crazy stuff. It was really interesting. I did a little bit of fishing, but not much. I met a guy who did a lot of fishing and he helped me out by teaching me to bass fish. But long story, it, it just it was just one of these things where I just kept bouncing and bouncing and all I wanted to do was get back to Florida. And then they transferred me to Ohio. <laughs> you know, so if you think all the other stuff I told you was bad, Ohio is just... Okay, I'll be nice, because Ohioans might be listening. It's awful. I just don't even get it. I, I know, and they're highly, they're dedicated people to their ball clubs, to baseball, to football, to college sports. I mean, I get it. I really do. Uh, and I participated in some of them. I went to some of those games when I was in Ohio. But I got to tell you right now, it's not where you want to be, um, especially if you've been anywhere near beaches and oceans and things like that. And you're about as far away from that as you can get. They had winter. They had real winter. They had snow up to your yin-yang type winter. Uh, and it would come blowing in like crazy. Everything would be fine one day, and the next day you would be covered up. Uh, below zero temperatures, that kind of fun stuff. Not You can't even wear enough clothes for that kind of nonsense. It was an eye-opener. All I wanted to do was get back to Florida. And it happened. In the, the business that I worked in, they had an opening up in Miami, and they said, would you like to go to Miami? And I'm, I said, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, I want to go to Miami. I'll go anywhere south. Um, so I got out of that, went to Miami, Florida. I'll never forget it. I arrived in Miami in November, close to uh, Thanksgiving, and it was the most wonderful feeling to be outside in November, sunny skies, about 82 degrees. I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, I miss this so much. And that started my whole uh, Florida life over again. I also quickly discovered that the Florida Keys were real close. I'd been to the Keys many times. I'd been down to Key West quite a few times way back when in the early 80s. So it was kind of nice to be, but this was 92, 93 when I got to Miami. So the attitude there was different. Um, immediately, you start to find that the Miami area is like a totally different place. Um, you're on the east coast, lower east coast of Florida. It does not get cold there. It's very rare to have anything. Actually, it's very rare for anything to get cold south of Palm Beach. Um, you notice that what grows there is different uh, and what people wear is different. There are no winter clothes. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really an interesting uh, bunch of people. And then further down, of course, is the Florida Keys. And that's where I live now. I live in Key Largo with my lovely wife and we could not be happier. 
Winter in the Keys is interesting. Um, the first thing you notice is that everyone that lives here is mostly hiding, waiting for the tourists and snowbirds to go home in the spring. They all have stories about like what's going on. You know, here come all the people, and here's a, you know, I found out about what they call it Hell Week, which is the week between Christmas and uh, New Year's, like the worst. Look, and I understand now why. I've seen it. Just tons of people around. You don't take the boat out, even if the weather's nice. You, just, you basically avoid everything because it's really crazy. Um, it's almost like you stock up for a storm, you know, and you hide out, that kind of thing. Um, more than that, I also learned what the residents uh, have learned about the winter months and what you learn about travel in the winter months. They know when to hit the water and when not to hit the water. And so this continues on right now. Um, even though it's not Hell Week, I mean now now the people are really starting to flood in here. It's really starting to get you know the the, the snowbirds and the tourists are here now, and it's increasing every time I look around. I've learned you do not travel anywhere on the islands late Friday, early Saturday, or late Sunday. Those 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 are to be avoided. I have learned that tourists do not get out of bed until ten or eleven o'clock. So you can get things done in the morning if you do them early. You'll avoid. They they go to brunch. They show up to you know. They've been out partying all night. They're not like us. They stay up till, you know, listening to music and stuff until 12, 1 o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Then they go back to the hotel rooms and go to sleep and and uh, so they wake up late. So you learn to do things really really early. Um, the rest of the days are pretty good uh, as long as you resist the urge to go somewhere around dinner time on all of the days. So you avoid 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock. You also avoid rainy days anywhere. If it rains, stay stay home. Don't don't try to go to a store. Don't try to go to Publix. Don't try to go somewhere. I learned that. I think I mentioned that in a podcast a few weeks ago. Don't Just don't do it. You do not want to do it on a rainy day because they're all the same mindset. They got nothing to do. So they go shop (laughs) and you don't want to be shopping. That's all there is to it. (laughs) Um, The early Saturday thing is the same, same thing. You can get things done, uh, but don't go early Saturday because that's when everybody's pouring into the keys from up uh, north of us, from Miami, Fort Lauderdale, those people that come down for long weekends. And the same thing with Sunday, they go home on Sunday. So it's hard to be out on the road on a Sunday. Um, Gardening is big in the winter, really big, not so much in the summer. Um, It's too damn hot to work in the yard in the summer, but perfect in the winter when the daytime highs are in the 70s and there's almost no humidity. So I noticed that the garden centers are very busy. I'm a gardener. I love outside gardening. I love uh, just everything from orchids to plants to put, you know, growing stuff out there. And we grow it in pots here. You can't put anything in the ground because the ground's made of a coral. Yeah, you put a shovel in about three inches down, you hit solid coral. You hit rock. Um, so you start to learn that everything's in pots. And uh, I'm, I enjoy it. But I've noticed that wintertime, uh, gardening is just huge here. As a matter of fact, we're going to a garden show, I think, uh, next month in February. Uh, one of those home gardens where you walk around and look at people's houses and what they're doing in the backyard kind of thing. And I look forward to that. Get some good ideas off of that. Fishing is done on the weekdays in the winter. Not so much in the summer, but in the winter for sure. Um, not the weekends if you can avoid it. Best best days on the water are Tuesday through Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what you gear on. 
I don't do Monday because I give the fish a chance to rest, calm down. The water's calmed down quite a bit. And, uh, you know, you, you still have great access. It just makes things a lot quieter and a lot easier. So Tuesday is one of my favorites, Wednesdays and Thursdays. I don't, I don't want to go after that. Um, and even then, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're still beating the same people to the water that I mentioned earlier that are sleeping in. They will go out and recreate around noon. And so you have to be aware of that. That's why I go fishing as early as possible on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, doesn't always help with tides and things, and I preach that. I preach trying to fish a tide. Not, not The crack of dawn doesn't mean it's always going to work for fishing. But down here, the tides are like clockwork. They're, they aren't experimental like they are on the West Coast. <laughs> They're six-hour tides. Every single day, you have four. Um, the West Coast of Florida doesn't work that way. When, you know, all that Fort Myers stuff, man, you could be, you could have days over there, you have one tide all day and it's really slow and it sucks. So, um, it's not like that here. So you can wait a little while and still, still catch fish. Uh, winter keys clothing is interesting. Flip-flops are stowed away and out come the tennis shoes. You never, ever wear socks while you're wearing sandals. That's a solid rule from locals. If you see somebody with socks in their sandals, you know they aren't from around here. Uh, shorts are okay, so long as you double up on body outerwear, maybe even triple up. So you start with a t-shirt, then you put on a long sleeve shirt, and then you put on a light jacket. Now, there's a reason for this. Morning temps can be in the mid to high 50s here in the wintertime overnight low, especially if the sky is clear. If there's no cloud cover to hold any of the warmth in from the previous day, it's going to be chillier when you get up in the morning. But it'll be almost likely to be 70 later in the day, maybe even mid-70s. So you got to layer. you got to take things off. So you start cool with layers on, you take it off. And I have noticed that the Keys people are hilarious, and I'm one of them now. They will wear anything. <laughs> it's like just clean the closet out and find whatever you can and put it on. Uh, yeah, when it's, when it's really, really cold, that's, that's a very common thing. They, they, you know, before the cold front came, you know, people get ready for storms right down here, like hurricanes. They'll, they'll go buy their water and bread and whatever they need, candles and batteries and all that kind of stuff. Before a cold front comes, I have noticed that I, like others, search for clothing, <laughs> your clothing, the things you put away from last year that you can't seem to find. You dig around, you try to find your sweaters, you, you throw things in the wash to, to you know, get the, the musty drawer smell off of them just to, try, just to try to freshen them up. It's really weird. So you're kind of prepared. So you do this weird pre preparation uh, for a cold front that you wouldn't normally think anybody else would do. I mean, up north, I'm sure that they go buy food and they get ready and they get firewood and they do all kinds of crazy things because it's going to get cold and you might lose power. That's not the way it works here, but we don't like being cold. So, but basically you're locating these clothes to air them out, <laughs> put them out and get ready for the, for the cold, the cold, uh, and hopefully it'll be a false alarm. That's the best part. Lastly, winter forecasts, speak of the devil, are a joke. Uh, I do feel very sorry for meteorologists. They can only guess if the cold air will reach us, and if it does, how long it'll be around. If they say it's going to be cold, it may be, but by Florida Keys standards only. Anywhere else in the U.S., you would think this was a very nice spring day. That's not how we feel about it. Your blood does thin. 
I promise you this. I have talked to people that have lived down here for a year or two, and they tell me to say, they go, man, this didn't this didn't bother me at all when I was visiting. And now that I've been here for a while, it gets cold. I feel it. I said, yes, that's exactly what I was trying to tell you, that you you get used to being warm. And when it gets cold, coldish, below 60, it's 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 like, man, you know, I gotta go put on more clothes. It's crazy. Let me put all this in perspective for you. Um, I have a thought here. We don't own winter gloves. We don't own winter toboggan style hats. We don't own heavy coats that are lined with fur inside and fur lined hoods. We have two pairs of jeans that are worn only when it's cold out at night. And we don't own any flannel shirts. <laughs> you can always spot a local outside during a cold snap. Like I said, they will be wearing whatever they can layer up with. It doesn't matter what color it is. It doesn't matter if it doesn't match. It doesn't matter if it's plaid or old. If it covers them up, they're happy. Tourists, on the other hand, will be in shorts, t-shirts, and flip-flops, and they'll be driving uh, the convertible rental car with the top down. That's, that's pretty much how it works. Okay, it's time for useless information. And now, from the original book of useless information. You are a reject! You are useless! You can get a job down here cleaning toilets! Here's your host, Captain Rob Modis. Well, he swears up and down he's useless. But, uh... He might be alright eventually, but completely useless. With useless information. Oh boy, here it comes, folks. All right, here comes the very, very useless information. And by the way, thank you all for the notes and thanks for liking it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Number one, when the movie The Wizard of Oz first came out, it got bad reviews. The critics said it was stupid and uncreative. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, that's certainly, uh, uh wow. <laughs> Number two, Americans spend more than $630 million a year on golf balls. So you think fishing's bad? I don't know. $630 million. I know I, I did a big chunk of that when I was golfing because a lot of my golf balls went in the water and disappeared. So, Number three, mosquito repellents do not repel. They hide you. The spray blocks the mosquito sensors so they do not know where you are. It's called uh, CO2. Our, our, most of us expel CO2 and mosquitoes lock onto that. Now, that just means stay real close to somebody that gets bit. You know, that that happens to me. My wife, Janelle, man, she, she's always getting bit. So, you know, if I'm close to her, I don't get bit. So, there's, there you go. And there you go. That'll have to hold you till the next week's podcast. Please spend some time outside if you can. Layer up if you have to, and don't worry. Summer will soon be here, and everyone will be longing for cooler weather. If it's too cold where you live, come on down to the sunny Florida Keys. Today's high was 70. Thanks much for listening and supporting my podcast over the past few years. If you enjoy listening, please tell a friend. Leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. The Facebook page is Sketch Outdoors. The website is SketchOutdoors.com, where you can find all the previous podcasts and a schedule of what's to come. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy. <laughs>